0: If you're a lover of watermelons, you might have noticed prices are nudging down lately. Some supermarkets have them for less than $5 a kilogram. Crops are plentiful at the moment, verging on too many, in fact, thanks to a hot summer season in Gisborne. It was certainly a different story a year ago. Several rain events in quick succession first left crops unharvestable, before Cyclone Gabrielle decimated them entirely during what should have been peak season. Leader Brand General Manager of Farming, Gordon McPhail, with us. Morning, Gordon.
1: Good morning, Catherine.
0: So what a relief after the trauma of a year ago to have what sounds like a bumper of
1: a season. Yeah, that's certainly right, isn't it? And you, you bring back some bad memories when we think about this time last year, don't we? So uh, it's certainly nice to see a, um, a more favourable or normal, if we want to define normal these days, summer.
0: What's involved, what was involved in recovery, first of all, of the land and replanting? Um, I don't even know, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not even sure, how watermelons grow. Talk me through it.
1: Yeah, good question. Um, well, look, firstly, we're growing our watermelons in, in soil, uh, like most watermelons are, but, um, but we're, we're growing them on plastic mulch. And, and of course, last year, um, you know, being grown on the ground and, and, and the flood and the cyclone that we had, you know, 90% of them were wiped out and and a lot of that land uh, needed remediation, you know, whether it was silt or or debris covering it. So I guess we went to, you know, this time last year, salvaging what we could salvage, which wasn't much, um, but really focusing on turning the land around um, pre-winter, you know, because of course we're sowing, you know, out the back end of winter and spring. So... It was a race against time to, to clean that land up and and start preparing it and getting it in the right shape to to have another crack at it this year. So, um, luckily enough, we got there. It wasn't without its challenges, um, but but uh, but certainly uh, has come through this year.
0: So they just sort of grow, uh, not, not dissimilarly to pumpkins. They just sort of grow sitting on top of anywhere really. As <laughs> um, yeah, their that-
1: yeah, that's it. Look, they're, they're part of the cucurbit family, um, which is they're similar to pumpkins and squash and gourds and that sort of stuff. Um, but they grow off a of, of vine. Um, so we typically plant them as a seed or a transplant. It can be done both ways. Um, and so those, those plants then grow out and they'll, they'll throw flowers. Uh, they have both female and male flowers. And the bees uh, or the insects will pollinate those those flowers, which, you know, the, um, ultimately turn into a, a watermelon. Um, so they're ranging from, you know, at its longest, you know, 120 to 130 days, right down to 80 days in, in the warmer part of the year.
0: What do they need uh, at different uh, parts of their growth cycle? What kind of weather and what kind of moisture?
1: Oh look, typically sun and a good bit of sun, a good dose of sun, uh, heat, sunshine and heat, and obviously you you keep feeding it with water. They take a lot of water, as the name may suggest. Um, But yeah, typically they take uh, heat as the most important factor. There, Um, you can give it all the water you like, um, but without the heat and the sunshine, they don't produce the uh, they don't produce the fruit. They don't have the right growth rates. Um, And the other really important thing to get the flavor right, which typically we say we do uh, as well as anybody in Gisborne, is that difference between the day and nighttime temperatures. So being on the coast, it's a lot, you know, we get that cooler nighttime temperature and that's what lifts the sugars and the flavor and the sweetness. Um, So like I say, typically, you know, nice warm days and that's at 25 to 30 degree plus days. Um, and making sure they've got heaps of water to keep themselves alive.
0: Did the growers have to change their schedule a bit off the back of that event last year? If things happened a bit quicker,
1: yeah. Um, off the back of off the back of Gabrielle, I mean, look, the the writing was on the wall. The crop was done, and it was really just about focusing on the next year. Um, in terms of the land that was available, I mean we're fairly flexible, and so it was then just making good decisions around what we thought the best, uh, the best bits of land were. You know, typically you're not growing watermelons or most crops uh, on the same land every year. That's that's one really important factor is, is rotating your your crops from a disease and a, and a crop nutrition perspective year in year out. So it was about finding the next bit of land which which was uh, which was most suitable, um, and then really developing our program around what we did have available. You know, we, we want to be able to do the best job. It's it's not necessarily about hitting a number; it's about be, doing it right. So it did define our our volume and our area that we were able to plant. So that that had some limitations.
0: So lower, lower crop cropping volume or, or not, as it's turned out?
1: Uh, well, look, it, it, certainly a lot of things can happen from planting through to harvest, but it was about the land that we actually had available to us. Um, you know, as we've talked about, a lot of it was damaged. Um, but the team went about getting that land ready to go, and, and of course, we, we probably had a fairly challenging start to the season, and that, that you would have seen. It was a late start to this season. Um, and we had some lighter crops, but certainly the back end as it's warmed up and we've had some more steady weather, um, you can see that volume's really come on.
0: What's the harvesting process?
1: Oh, So we're picking all of our watermelons by hand, and look, typically around the world they're they're all picked by hand. Um, They're a pretty delicate fruit, as as you know. Um, So... We're going in there, I guess, you know, in those weeks leading up and really making an assessment in terms of what is ready and, and what the perfect harvest date is and scheduling that in. But we're coming in and, and picking each individual by melon, uh, melon by hand uh, and then we're taking that in and, and putting that through our uh, through our washing facility. So we're washing and then grading our melons, one for quality and two then for size. So then we'll size our melons and send them through the market that way.
0: Tomato, tomato, are they fruit or vegetable?
1: Oh, good question. That's a debate that will go on for uh, forever. But it uh, depends who you ask, I suppose. But um, look, they are uh, by their botanical uh, nature, they are a fruit. Um, but they're growing as a, you know, they're growing in a vegetable system, and and we're vegetable guys. So I'm going to claim here, I'm going to go on record as a as a vegetable, but uh yeah they could go they could go both ways, but certainly um by definition they are a sweet. Yes.
0: You've been working on a pipless variety. Where are you at with it?
1: yeah so we actually will call it uh we'll call it a um a micro seeded so what you have in watermelons is you've got the typical seeded varieties and then you've got you know what has been getting bred in the seedless. Um, now the seedless one we we find very difficult in New Zealand conditions to get right and to get the the most consistent quality and volume throughout the season Um, and typically you may see that that those products imported while there is some growing around New Zealand but we've we've really been developing an in-between which is what we call micro-seeded and so that's really grown as we've developed that you know we're it's a very, very small seed. You hardly even notice it. And, and if they do come through, they're very soft, you know, in terms of you just you eat through them. And while it's, you know, uh, traditionally you'll, you've you got a watermelon and you're used to spitting the seeds out, it's a far more enjoyable experience not having to do that. And what you are getting with them as well is the advanced breeding. So hybrid breeding, um, which is getting away uh, a way better eating experience in the sense of flavour and and flesh density.
0: Now speaking of eating, uh, do what's the story with the rinds, the white part? Are they edible?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, and that's sort of uh, you know, as we look to, to to other ways to eat food these days, it's becoming a lot more popular. You know, and and you can definitely eat the white bit. And it's so a bit like cucumber.
0: Very- Could you chop it up and put it in a salad?
1: Yeah, that's it, that's it, you know, and you can cook it a little bit and it changes the flavour and that sort of stuff, personally. Um, I'm all about the red flesh, uh, <laughs> but but certainly the certainly the rind is edible and, and very fresh.
0: And last vital question, how to choose a good one at the supermarket?
1: Um, yeah, good question, good question. Anything with a leader brand branded sticker on it, oh, go there come first. on. <laughs> um, but uh, no, if, 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 if you wanted my view on it, it would be, uh, look for a nice round shape. Really ugly shapes could have some deficiencies in them. Um, if if it does have a ground spot, look for a darker ground spot that that shows maturity. Um, I suppose another one is you know if they feel light and hollow, um, that typically probably means they're hollow. So looking for something that's really nice and dense is the other one as well. So Very good, good color. Dense and round.
0: Very good. Thanks very much, Gordon MacPhail of Leader Brands, uh, on the bumper watermelon crop that's uh, hitting peak time now coming out of Gisborne. Obviously, a year on from a very distressing time for growers in so many parts, parts of the country.